Let's pray together. Father, we come to receive from you as always, to receive your word, to receive um, good news to our troubled hearts, to our anxious hearts, to our exhausted hearts for trying to earn your righteousness this week, from running from you this week, from little faith this week. Uh, Restore us and give us deep love for you and love for one another. So teach us about the tree and the fruit today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Welcome. It's good to see you all. My name's Ryan. I'm the pastor here, so it's uh, great to worship with you today. I'm going to do a few announcements now because I'd love to forget those for some reason at the end. So quickly, let me uh, just let you know that the Profession of Faith class is going to start. There's a sign-up on the back uh, welcome desk back there. So if you have a child who's ready to profess their faith, who you think understands the gospel, that would be a good thing for them to be a part of. Uh, also, Men's 55 Breakfast will start on September 16th, and then afterwards we're having just a little get-together, so you might want to be a part of that as well. So stay afterwards and come eat and play and enjoy it not raining. All right, Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Jesus here is really concluding his sermon, so we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, one sermon by Jesus. Chapter 7, he does uh, what I guess preachers do, which is he starts to wrap up his sermon. And so this is really probably more of a summary of things he's already said than new content. So he's starting to summarize what he already said in chapters 5 and chapter 6. He's concluding it here in chapter 7, especially with last week and this week, both kind of summaries. So we're going to look at false prophets today and their fruit. And so we have, I think, three questions we need to address with these false prophets. First of all, what in the world is a prophet to start with? That would be helpful. Uh, We know what a good prophet is. We might understand what a false one is. So what is a prophet? Why are these false prophets? And then finally, how are they recognized? Jesus gives us some, some help there on how to recognize them. So our sermon summary is this. False prophets ignore their internal corruption. False prophets ignore their internal corruption. So first of all, what is a prophet? A prophet in the Old Testament, you might think, oh, it's someone who tells the future. Well, sort of. Uh, A prophet in the Old Testament was actually probably more of a forth teller than a foreteller. So more probably someone who just states it like it is and communicates the message of God to the people. So they would stand, there's God's people, here's God, here's the prophet in the middle. Gets the message from God, delivers it to the people. So think about Moses, who goes, if you're familiar with the Bibles, he goes up to Mount Sinai, gets uh, the word from God, gets the Ten Commandments, the law from God, and then brings it down to the people. The people do not interact with God on their own. They have an intermediary. So the good news of the gospel is that we no longer need that intermediary. So if you were not reading your Bibles because you thought you needed this guy to say it to you, praise God, you don't. You can go straight to God. Jesus, the ultimate prophet. He's the prophet, he's the priest, he's the king, the final of those. And so we no longer have prophets that we need to go to God, get a message for us, and come back and deliver to us. But we can go right to God. Remember what he just said, ask and it will be given to you. 
Just come. You're God's children. You've been adopted. Come straight to the throne, in a sense. Come straight to me as your father. And so that's, that's part of the good news of the gospel. We no longer need that prophetic role. Well, then, if we know that as what a prophet is, then why are these that Jesus is speaking about false prophets? Well, they, they claim to be speaking for God, right? If you rewind throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to some people who claim to be speaking for God, uh, but they have a couple problems, and those two problems, I think, are with their message and with their motivation, corrupt message and corrupt motivation for these false teachers. Let's first look at their message being corrupt. See also, if you want to know, what's Jesus summarizing here? Flip back a page to chapter 5 and think about these statements that Jesus says, you have heard it was said, but I say to you. What Jesus is saying, they've got the message wrong. The message is corrupt. Let me correct the message for you. They have the law, they have the prophets, they're bringing them to you. However, they're not bringing them correctly to you. They're not bringing the actual message that I gave to them. Do you remember that game Telephone, where one person, you know, you'd have a group of people, you'd give the message to this person and then watch it travel all the way around, and by the time you got to the end, really bizarre things happened to that message, right? Words were inserted that weren't there, some were taken out, synonyms were used that weren't exactly the same, words that rhyme were just put in there instead of the real word. You know, it's bizarre what happens by the time that travels. And so that's kind of what's happening here. God gives the the perfect law. He gives his message. These prophets take it and they twist it a little bit. They do something to it. So remember Jesus' warning in 519 when he kind of introduced the section where he talked about how exactly they did that work of adjusting his message. Matthew 5, 19 through 20. This is on page 810 of the Black Bibles. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, so there it is, relaxing the commandments, and teaches it to others, uh, and teaches others to do the same, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And then he finished it with, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. I think he's he's saying uh, of the false prophets, the, the scribes and Pharisees, who are taking his law and adjusting it and changing it before they deliver it to the people. So he's, he's hinting again, maybe not hinting as much anymore as straight up telling us again, righteousness must be more than external behavior. Righteousness must be more than some sort of external piety. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not stop doing these things and simply start doing these things. The gospel is repent and believe that Jesus is. So here's a little summary of the gospel that maybe is helpful. Uh, I'm trying to boil it down as much as I can. Law, perfect. Us, sinners. It sounds like a caveman, sorry, but law, perfect. Us, sinners. Big problem. Jesus, Savior. That's a good summary of the, the message of God right there. Law is perfect. Us, we can't meet it. We're sinners. Jesus, comes and saves us in the midst of that. Well, how do we know that the message is corrupt? A couple things. First of all, does it fit with an understanding that Jesus gave in chapter 5? In other words, does it fit with things like, blessed are the poor in spirit? 
Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Does it fit with that kind of understanding of who we are as people? Um, Does it fit with the person Jesus describes in Luke 18? I kind of crunched those first two together, sorry. Number three, does it fit with the person Jesus describes in Luke 18? And we've we've discussed this and, and said this several times. Luke 18, two men, Jesus tells this little story, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, false prophet, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But this other person, the tax collector, he stands far off. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. Do you, do you hear that message from Jesus? The, does that fit with the message of the scribes and Pharisees? And Jesus is trying to tell them it doesn't. You're false prophets because your message doesn't fit with this message. Law, God's law, demanding and perfect. Us, sinners, breakers of that law, Jesus comes and saves. And then what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. I think this is just a summary of the gospel that the Apostle Paul gives to Timothy in in 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus came to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. A great summary of the gospel. Does the teaching fit with that short, concise statement from the Apostle Paul? So do you see what marks a person who is justified what marks a person who is justified is not simply just some, some good moral behavior, just external behavior. So being a Christian is not about modifying behavior. It's not, hey, if, if you hear people say this all the time, like, you know, they hear I'm a pastor sometimes, they'd be like, oh, I really need to, you know, cut this out of my life and stop doing this and start going to church, you know? It's like, well, friend, you need a lot more than that. I can tell you that. You need a lot more than that. You need Jesus Christ and his perfect righteousness. That's the only thing that's going to help a person like you or me. It's not just behavior modification. Law is perfect. We are sinners. Jesus is the Savior. That's the gospel message. If, if a message doesn't fit with that message, it falls underneath the false prophet deal, the message of a false prophet. So their message is corrupt. Secondly, their motivation is corrupt. Jesus says in verse 15, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So they think it's Halloween. They're dressing up as this nice, cute sheep. Oh, it's so soft and cuddly. And inside, it's a ravenous, you know, sharp teeth wolf ready to devour anyone who gets close. Jesus said these things about the internal heart. He said about murder. Hey, guys. Uh, These are my words. He didn't say, hey, guys. Hey, guys. You think you're not a murderer, 
which the law says don't murder. And so you guys are, are, are parading around saying, yes, we're not murderers because you've literally never killed another human being. But what I'm telling you is that when you're angry with people and you hate them in your heart, that's the same as murder. See how Jesus is, is trying to say you can't exist with this dichotomy of internal and external. You can't exist with this, I'm a good person on the outside, and ignore the inside and, and think you're okay. Jesus will not allow it. Same thing. You think that you've never committed adultery because you li- literally never slept with someone who you're not married to. I'm saying if you have an intent of your heart that is lustful at all towards anyone else, you're an adulterer already. He's not allowing that dichotomy to exist. He's saying let's go deep into the heart, and they're rejecting that. False prophets ignore their internal corruption. It's a huge inconsistency. So you can see why Jesus would say some of these things, which we've already said before. Matthew 23, uh, he, he gives these woes to the scribes and Pharisees, the false prophets, I would say. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup, there's the external and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Matthew twenty three twenty seven. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Jesus doesn't really hold back, does he? He just kind of gives it to them straight. It's hard to miss the message that there's some sort of dichotomy there from Jesus with those statements. He's not just saying, um, hey, hey, watch out for people who say things and do something different. It's much deeper than that. He's not just saying, watch out for people who have these actions and these actions. He's saying, watch out for people who take God's message and, and adjust it and have motivations inside to hurt others, basically. Watch, watch out for those who have an external thing and an internal thing that's different. Not just two external things that are different, but an external and an internal thing that's different. Outwardly, pious, religious, they have the law, they have God's word, they, they teach it authoritatively. They pray in public. They, they give in public. It's amazing. They fast twice a week, three times a week. They do all these amazing external things. None of those are bad things. But they neglect the inward. Inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. They have an appetite to devour other human beings to, to meet their religious needs. You know, how will I be... Um, right with God. I could humble myself, say I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, or I have this other idea. I could take everyone else and push them down below me and show myself as the righteous one, as part of the righteous group. That's what they're doing. That's what these false prophets are doing. That's their motivation in giving the Word of God, in taking it and, and adjusting it and giving it to the people. So, it's kind of interesting that this follows right after what Jesus said in 12, which was the golden rule we talked about last time. Whatever you uh, kind of put yourself in other people's shoes, right? It was, uh, what do you think they would want, 
or what would you want if you were in their shoes, and then do that to them. What, do you, what would you want if you were in their position? Do that to them. And then he kind of says, like, let me tell you the exact opposite of that. It's right here, these false prophets. It's, it's a picture of the exact opposite of the golden rule. It's defined by selfishness. It's defined by devouring others for your own needs. It's defined by what's best for you, not what's anything concerned with them. This is why I think Jesus says another summary, another statement that Jesus is summarizing in 5.9, where he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the right above in 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. And I said when we went through that, I had this idea that perhaps that could be not perfect in heart, but the idea that kind of your heart is not, you're not deceiving a deceptive about what your heart is. That's what they're doing. They are not pure in heart because they are deceiving others about what their heart is. They're keeping it hidden and they're having their actions say one thing and allowing their heart to say another. And so then as I went and studied this, I said, ah, this could be true. Maybe that was from God and I'm not crazy. But I'll leave that to you again to decide. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, so let's move on to number three then. How are they recognized? Verse 16 and 20, Jesus says two times, you will recognize them by their fruits. Two times in just these, what, five verses, you will recognize them by their fruits. So here's a few ideas of maybe how we might recognize a false teacher. Number one, by his or her attitude towards the people of God. They serve their own interest, what Jesus just said, they're selfish. It's all about them. In other words, if, if you want to move up again in the Scriptures, you would say that they take the wide path. The narrow path was about death to self and life for others. They don't take that path. They take the wide path, which is life for self and death for others. They, they're judgmental or concerning. Go back to verse 1 through 6 in, in chapter 7, in the chapter that we're in, back at the beginning of that. They're, they're judgmental and condemning of others. And here's an example, I think, of one of those in 3 John verses 9 and 10. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to, be, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. That's, that's a great picture of what Jesus is talking about here. Someone who is selfish and, and, and only out for themselves and very much against God's people. So what's the attitude towards the people of God? Secondly, what is the reaction to the teachings of Jesus? This is an easy one, to, to watch people's reaction to this. What is their reaction to being people, back to Matthew chapter 5, being people who are poor in spirit, being a mourner, being meek, being told that they need to hunger and thirst for righteousness because they have none? What's the response to that? 
If it is, yes, I am a weak and needy sinner. That describes me perfectly. That is me. Or is it defensiveness and, and turn it around and accuse and condemn? Well, what about you? Have you looked at your life? Or do they humbly accept it? Uh, Russell Moore, who's the president of the ERLC, the Ethics, ER, Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, uh, he had a great statement. He was accused of, of being a terrible person. And uh, he was on Anderson Cooper, and Anderson Cooper kind of gave him the option to, uh, to kind of speak to this accusation. And he says, well, I thought it was great. It's one of the few things I can agree. I am a nasty guy with no heart. We sing worse things about ourselves in our hymns on Sunday mornings. I'm a wretch in need of God's grace. So I agree with that. <laughs> he, gets, he gets it. He understands the Beatitudes and who he really is. There's no difference there between heart and actions. He says, yes, I'm exactly that. I had another friend who used to say when he was, you know, sort of uh, criticized by others, he'd say, oh, if you knew all of what was in my heart, you'd really have something to criticize. That's just the tip of the iceberg, you know? It's so bad in here, you wouldn't believe. What's their reaction to the teachings of Jesus? Third, then, by the fruit of their teaching, meaning... What is their teaching brought about? What is it? What is it caused? Is there arrogance and more religion? People who are confident in their ability to be God's people and defend why they are God's people, pointing to their religious practices. No, I do this, this, and this, and this. That's, that's see, you can see that I'm God's people. Is there lots of of me and them teaching? Is the, is, the, is the hero of every story they tell themselves? That's one way to tell. It sounds like you might be the Savior instead of Jesus. This is interesting. Oh. The fruit of their teaching. They're ravenous wolves. So I, I think you could say, look at who, those who they teach. Is, are they torn apart? Is there disunity? Um, is there hurting? Is it look the opposite of? Blessed are the peacemakers. There's strife. Another thing is, is there people with heavy anxiety and burden from their teaching? You know, the, the teaching of Jesus set people free. It was fantastic. Sinners love to come and hear the message of Jesus. But these false prophets and super religious elite people, they didn't need that message, and they hated it. It was a ridiculous message to them. Because they've already gotten what he's promising. So do they have anxiety and heavy burdens around their neck? I think one of the, the tests is to see if the, if the fruit that they're talking about, is it, is it negative or is it positive? What I mean is not like, you know, not encouraging or encouraging. What I mean is, is, is what they're, they're pointing out in others. Is it something that is of the negative? I mean, like, don't do that, abstain from that, keep away from that. Negative. Is it all negative? What does it mean to be a person of God? It means you don't do this. It means you don't do this. It means you don't do this. It means you don't do that. Is that their teaching? Very law-based teaching, but a lowering of the law even? Or is it, is it positive? Is it do they love people? Do they sacrifice for people? Do they give grace to people? I think Jesus' 
way of kind of looking at fruit and seeing if it was healthy or not seemed to be more in the positive than in the negative. These, it was all negative. Well, do they do this? Well, then you can't do that. If you're God's people, you're out. Jesus was. Do they have love? Do they have life and love in them? They have forgiveness and grace in them, humility in them, all these things. Well, what's our hope? Two things that I'd like to say is our hope. First is being cared for by the true shepherd. These teachers, how did Jesus describe them? Ravenous wolves. They devour the sheep. Consider Jesus. Who is he? He is a shepherd to the sheep. He's not out to devour. He's not a wolf. He comes, protects, provides, cares for them, loves them, directs them in the way they should go. He is a shepherd of the sheep. This is, this is Jesus. He, he, he not only is not devouring the sheep, he's actually being devoured for the sheep. He dies for the sheep so that they can have life. And the false prophet here is being talked about as one who actually consumes the sheep. Jesus, the ultimate true prophet who dies for the sheep in their place. This is our Lord Jesus. Secondly, not only being cared for by the true shepherd, but also being connected to the healthy tree. When he talks here about a, a diseased tree, our hope is that we're connected to the healthy tree. These false teachers, they were diseased trees. Jesus, he is the healthy tree. He talks about himself being the true vine in John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father the vine dresser. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Did you hear that? The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. And here's you and I a lot of times. We got, you know, we're a branch and we're taking fruit and kind of taping it on there, like duct taping it on there. Like, oh, look at that. That's some good looking fruit. I just put that on there. Jesus says, no, you can't do that. It only comes from the vine dresser. It only comes by being connected to the vine. You can't do it by yourself. You can't bear fruit by yourself unless it abides in the vine. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. Apart from me, in case you guys didn't hear me, let me say it again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Thanks for the encouraging word, Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So true life is found in being connected to the vine, to the healthy tree, to Jesus himself. True life and fruit only comes as he lives his life in and through us. We can't create it. We can't manufacture it. We have no hope unless he comes and it's his life coming, it's his, his life coming through him, the vine, out through the branches, through us, to one another, and to those in our city and around us. He is the healthy tree from which we find life. He is the only tree of life. There is no other tree of life. It's Jesus himself, Jesus Christ our Lord. Give us that life, we pray. Let's pray together. Father, but by grace, we all 
would be in that spot as false teachers. If you had not rescued us, had not shown us that life is actually in you, had not taken us by the scruff of the neck and brought us to yourself, adopted us, loved us, cared for us, been the good shepherd to us, I mean, we would be these false teachers. Our heart often still kind of tends towards some of those things. Teach us more how to be abiders in true life, abiders in you. Teach us how to live by that. Teach us how to love one another and care for one another and enjoy the ministry that we receive from you. Enjoy the love that we receive from you. How we, we pray for the other churches around town. We pray that, that as they hear the message of the gospel, that their hearts would equally fill with, with deep desire for you, for you. We pray you'd build healthy churches all over this area that are giving the true message of God's grace. And keep us continuing to give the true message of God's grace. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.